The Shaky Town Radio Hour is on the air. I'm your host, Brody Foster Hubbard. Gene George is out on paternity leave. Our podcast brings you interviews and conversations with actors, comedians, musicians, writers, and other folks who are trying to make a living in Los Angeles while pursuing their creative passion. You just heard a little bit of Annette's Got the Hits, a song by Red Cross, one of L.A.'s early punk bands, and one of L.A.'s earliest punk zines, No Magazine, was co-created by our guest, Eva Wojcik. She's a USC professor. She came on the show with two of her students, artists Yuri Ogita and Megan Chin. The three of them have organized Shelf Life 2, which is the second installment of a bizarre and series of panels and workshops related to independent publishing. Uh, This incarnation is happening on the USC campus on Saturday, March 24th. They were here on a rainy St. Patrick's Day morning in Los Angeles. Let's listen to the conversation. I thought you'd have the Irish coffees ready. Yeah. You know? I, I, I have such luck. I, you know, I, I always had the whiskey ready back in the day, back in the single days for sure. Mm-hmm. And now there's just so many responsibilities. I have a new job working for uh, a show that's... Reality TV then, right? Yeah. 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 And you are for real then. Yes. <laughs> are you as real as a housewife? I am, you know, I, I work on an MMA show. So it, oh, these guys are like huge fighters, and they are real, 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 real. Yes. Um, yeah. Next time we have you on, we'll we'll do it in the evening, a little dry outside and a lot less dry in here. Okay. Okay. Sounds like a plan. Okay. <laughs> We're gonna write that down. Sounds <laughs> good. Um, let's start by talking about what Shelf Life One was. Now, this was an event you held in 2009? 2009. Um, Shelf Life um, is part of a grant um, that I applied for at USC. It's um, put on by the Visions and Voices Arts and Humanities Initiative. And I applied for the grant, and um, I got it. And um, what Shelf Life was was a panel discussion and a bazaar, very similar structure to, to what's going to happen this, this year. Um, and it was, um, Aaron Rose who did, um, beautiful losers and, uh, does the A&P quarterly. It was V Vale from research and search and destroy Rachel Kushner, um, who was, um, huge, huge in the art world and um, has written several novels. Um, Emily Royston, who's also an artist and um, has published in the gay community. And um, Joe Carducci, who was one of the initial owners of SST Records. Right. Um, and I'm trying to think who I'm forgetting. Oh, and Bruce, my partner. Duh. Um, and uh, Bruce Kane or Kahlberg, depending which day you would catch him <laughs> on, um, uh, was also one of the key speakers. And he created the main image for the first event. And he also created the image that we are using for this event. And Bruce was um, the author of Sub Hollywood. Um, and also the publisher of uh, Nomad. So the, the idea behind the first one was to gather a lot of the people that have been doing it for years, years and years yeah. and years in different forms, and um, sort of the, the pioneers of, of my generation 
um, in independent publishing and um, putting stuff together on a do-it-yourself way. And, so. and, and it's an event that's still talked about as just historical, amazing. Anybody who was at Shelf Life 1 um, just gushes, as far as I could tell. Yeah, it's interesting because for me it was a, a blur. It went by really, really, <laughs> you know, it's, I, I, I put it together. I just put, I, I put my friends together. I mean, that's essentially what it was is I invited my friends to be the speakers and I invited my friends to come to the bazaar and they all met each other. So we had people come from New York. We had people come from France and it was, I think it was a nice opportunity because I don't think anybody's ever seen all these folks in in one place at one time. So I think right. that's kind of the beauty of it. And the fact that, that everybody was open, it's not really a sales event. Mm -hmm. It's really a get to know your community and to network and to introduce yourself and see what else is out there because publishing is such a lonely field mm -hmm. and it's such a financially unrewarding field right. that, that, you know, this is really the only joy that happens is making stuff and seeing your friends and having other people enjoy it. So. Yeah. I mean, writing itself is such a solitary event. And um, so to get all those folks in the same room, yeah, people who love to write and love to read, love to, I kind of, um, I use the word consume, not like in the sense of consumer at the grocery store, but to, just to go to a library, go to a bookstore, go to a, a zine event or anything, and you just want to consume, like, there's all this stuff written on pages, and I need to get it all in, and mm -hmm. it's... Uh, that's, that's actually how we wind up with Yuri and, and Megan, because they're, they, were, they are students, graduating students at USC, and they're my assistants on this, and they're here because of their interest in, in all of this stuff because they weren't part of two, the 2009 event. They weren't even there. Yeah. Um, so, but this is, this is what they are interested in, what they follow, and they've done an amazing job. Now we're going to talk about uh, more um, about No Magazine and Eva and her background and her role here in Los Angeles. Um, but I want to talk to Megan about, so we're going to talk a little bit about where you came from. Tell me about the Nook. Ah, oh, you, did, you did your research, I see. Okay, hey. Um, so yeah, like basically last year, my sophomore year, um, I got together with some friends and I really don't know how this kind of mobilized. I think for a while, like we've been interested in sort of the new housing developments around USC um, and just kind of their effects on the community. And so we wanted to galvanize this energy and find a space for a discussion for everyone involved. Um, and I, it somehow became the nook and it became more of a meeting place for USC students to get to know community residents, but through the channels of like art, music, um, what do you call it? Like spoken word, yeah. uh, There'd be, like, artists displaying their works, too, um, and we kind of kept this up for, like, a year or so at the Mercado La Paloma. And, um, it was a really great time that, like, it ran, I you know, like, toward the end. Uh, it's still continuing, but it's under the hands of another group called Loaded Language now. And, but I guess in terms of my involvement, it was for, like, a year. Um, 
And so I guess this also kind of connects to my interest with like shelf life too, like bringing to light these, the talents of these like emerging artists as well and trying to spotlight their work. Now, uh, where did you come from before you were at USC? Are you a California native? Yeah, born and raised in Los Angeles. Very cool. <laughs> we always love to talk to Los Angeles natives on the show. I am a transplant. Gene uh, George, the co-founder of Shaky Town, is a born and raised California kid. Oh, so, uh, cool. Um, what, what, part of, what part of town were you in? Alhambra. Alhambra? <laughs> Home of the Costco. Yes. Home of the Costco. <laughs> like, half the time, like, we're not even on the map. It'd be like, oh, St. Gabriel, and then Pasadena, and then there's this weird, you know, ambiguous blob, and that's us. <laughs> I've gotten lost so. uh, and ended up in Alhambra before, so. Yeah. Did you, did you stop by a Chinese restaurant and <laughs> <laughs> eat while you're there? Because that's what we're known for. <laughs> So mm-hmm. you um, obviously are graduating from USC. December. December. Mm-hmm. And um, what are your plans after that? <laughs> That's the one question that everybody... The million dollar question. I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, survive, breathe, eat. <laughs> yeah. Um, huh. Yeah, I... Realistically, this is like the lackluster answer, but I just need to get a job. Yeah. And, <laughs> You know, like, I just need to get a job, and I, you know, I I don't know if my education stops with just USC. Like, perhaps I want to try, like, different things. Like, I was talking to my parents about this. They were like, why don't you go to beauty school? I mean, that those are <laughs> the more darker times, you could say. <laughs> so, future's unclear, but it's looking bright. Very I'm cool. optimistic about it. <laughs> now, you are uh, tell me about how you got involved uh, with everything going on at USC and with Shelf Life. How did I get involved? Well, Eva was my first design teacher at USC. I took a uh, second level of design with her, and I don't know, we just got along from day one. I remember our first assignment was to bring in um, 20 objects that we thought, that we think are well designed, and Eva just looked at me and she was like, you're my girl. <laughs> I remember that so vividly. Um, so I don't know, ever since then we've been friends and, um, you know, I'd heard of Shelf Life one and I actually didn't attend, um, which is bad of me, I know, but uh, Evo contacted me and she had said, you know, you would, you would love this, you know, you should, you should help me organize it. And, you know, I, I'm familiar with Bruce's artwork and just all of these people who, who've been involved with Shelf Life one and I, you know, I was like excited to on board so um i don't know i guess well your interests with in all the yeah i mean you've been following all the the street art and all of that stuff she's my authority yeah because i'm not i can't keep up with all of it but (laughs) she knows everyone yeah i was born and raised in la too so i'm just pretty familiar with you know a lot of these um artists like street artists and um, yeah it's been fun now street art is something that has gotten a lot more coverage in the last couple of years, it's kind of, you know, uh, entered the zeitgeist a little bit more mm-hmm. uh, in mainstream culture. What do you think is misunderstood about it? Most misunderstood about it, I should say. Um, Are we at least past the point where people have stopped dismissing it as the same thing as, like, graffiti? Like, it has it kind of more come into its own now as a respected art form? I think it has, but I think there are always going to be people who just, you know, dismiss it as graffiti or trash or something but I don't know like all art it's so subjective I mean 
you can't really try to coerce people into thinking it is one thing or another. There's always going to be different opinions about it. So um, I think it definitely has gotten a lot um, more credibility in some people's eyes, you know, with LACMA's show and Pasadena Museum of Art had one too about street art. So it's it's getting there, but I mean, its roots have, have always been in the underground, so people are always going to, it's always going to be someone that's understood. Yeah. I was really surprised. I don't know if you're familiar with a little ABC family show called Switched at Birth. Um, one of the girls is like um, a street artist. I just was like, I don't know how much you love as a guilty pleasure like ABC family shows. But, <laughs> I mean, you know, they're owned, they're owned by Disney. Mm -hmm. yeah. So they see like this show on this Disney-owned network where there's a character who's like into street art and talking about it. It's... That's new. I don't know. I weird. Don't that show. <laughs> it's, it's not weird, though, because there is a history of this. And, and, I mean, I know the, what is it, the, the OC, which was now, yeah, now already like eight years ago or something yeah. like that, right? I mean, the one of the main characters is an aspiring comic book artist right. or, you know, going to zine fairs and things like that. So, I mean, there's a long history of, of all of that stuff on TV. But it's it's what's interesting is that it's all considered commonplace now. It's like yeah. you know, oh my son's a street artist, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> like it's now it's something people aspire to be. Sure. Yeah. Because you look at people like Shepard Fairey and he was on The Simpsons. I saw that. Yeah, that's right. and, and Robbie, Robbie Cannell, yeah. and Candy Sharf, and Ron English. Yeah. Cool. Now, can you cop to uh, any late night? ventures out where you uh <laughs> committed any acts of art or is that well, or is that uh is this, that the first rule of fight club that we're i'd tell you but then i'd have to kill right <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, now let's talk a little bit about let me make noise here um let's let's go back let's let's talk about the beginning let's talk about uh nomag Okay. Um, I have in front of me here uh, the ANP Quarterly. Yes, where we have some images here of the original covers of, mm -hmm. of Nomad. Um, mm -hmm. uh, the would, is it fair to say the first LA punk zine, or at least one mm, of the first? No, it, it happened simultaneously. It, it is definitely one of the first. It happened at the same time as Slash Magazine, mm -hmm. also, which I, I brought you a copy today. Yes. Um, but um, Claude Bessie was publishing Slash, and there was a lot of people on board. And Nomag was um, started by uh, Bruce, my partner, Bruce Kalberg, and Michael Girard, who does The Swans. Um, and they started it in, in their last year of art school um, at Otis. And it was just started as a, like, let, we, we got to do something kind of project. And yeah. it began there. And then Michael Gerard dropped out after the first issue to move to New York. And that's about the time I met Bruce. And we published in, um, in my living room. And right. also he had a partner, Frank Argani, who was a, a photographer, one of the best photographers in early punk stuff. And we worked with uh, Ed Culver, who's a... Kind of a big big name these days, yeah. but in in those days we were just um, you know we were a lot like Yuri and Megan, just like having a lot of fun. I was the first art director of the LA Weekly, so um, that's where I met Bruce. He worked in the accounting department for mm -hmm. 
about a week. Um, and, and, and then he moved into my house and, and we, we continued this and Bruce did a, a photo shoot a day. We would go out and we would, um, go see bands almost every night. Um, and you know, we'd go out at 11, 12, we'd meet a band, we'd find a band and we'd drag them over to the house and Bruce would, um, build a set a day. So all of the backdrops behind the photographs are built. And then, we would shoot the band. Um, we would get them drunk, and then we'd send them on their way. And we'd do he'd do interviews, and then we'd uh, we'd work on these things. And it was it was really stressful. It was a lot of fun. It was really overwhelming. And you know, the day job was to go to the weekly and lay out the weekly and do pretty much exactly the same thing, but get a paycheck for it. Yeah. So it was kind of a split. I'm, that's. Thing. We, we, we often on this show talk about that dichotomy. Um, I'm a writer. I am working on my own projects, but then I go help, uh, you know, on these. Well, I, I sound like I'm doing it out of the goodness of my heart. Uh, <laughs> I, I go get a paycheck from reality television mm-hmm. and uh, then come home and try to write, you know, what mm-hmm. I want to do in, in scripted television, for example. And, you know, that's uh, the interesting thing about Los Angeles is that dichotomy where you can be doing a version, kind of slightly well, every, different version of what you want. Everybody here, if they're, they're, they're an actor, but they're a waiter. They're a, uh, you know, a writer, but they work at, uh, you know, Verizon during the day. Or, right, or right. I mean, that's that's the nature of Los Angeles. It always has been here, yeah. is that everybody's in a, aspiring to, to something. It's the Hollywood dream. Yeah. You know, but in the meantime, we all do what we do. But you can, and you can come close, though, like I said, yeah. to, or, you know, here, I think more than a lot of other cities, um, to be doing, yeah, like a version of what you want to do. Like, mm-hmm. and you were there doing it for LA Weekly, yeah. but also doing um, mm-hmm. for Nomad. Now, tell me about this. Uh, I, I was just noticing the story about uh, a picture of Ronald Reagan and an IRS oh. audit. Yeah, there were, there's two great stories. Um, one story was that we, we put out a one of the issues where we put a mohawk on Ronald Reagan, and um, it, it, it ran it as a full page inside No Magazine, and I don't remember what the caption was. I think there was a little balloon that said something, but... <laughs> but um, the really within six months, I was called in for an IRS audit, and it had to do directly with that because the IRS agent actually brought up the magazine right. and there was no way of them even knowing I did that and that particular image. And the other funny thing was that I remember waking up one morning and the TV was running and Bruce and I were, were just, I don't, I don't know, we were hung over and just, you know, just trying to sort of snap to and watching TV and the TV was running and it was some sort of evangelical show. And I'm trying to remember the name of the guy who was a major um, uh, uh, is either Jimmy Jimmy Swaggart. There you go. Thank you. Um, so Jimmy Jimmy Swaggart was was doing his preaching in the morning, and he held up a No magazine, and we both we both just jumped up out of bed like you cannot believe. I mean, it was just like because you could hear it the TV in the background, and all of a sudden it's like he held it up and he said, "This was the." stuff that was ruining the children and it was, you know, polluting their minds and, and he was holding a no magazine and shaking it on national TV. So that was, that was some of the high points. Another high point was, um, <laughs> another high point was that we got, um, the, the band Bananarama, which was a really big band very early on in, in the sort of new wave punk 
scene um, and they were from Australia and they were all girl band and um, they put out a, um, a 45 with their hit song and they were all sitting on a motorcycle and looking very very tough but they were holding a no magazine and reading it and nice. the cover was in Japanese so it was like pretty terrific for yeah. us but but that's when we first re- realized how far reaching or how powerful some of this stuff uh, was because we never really left you know the, the five clubs we went to in the the living room but it seemed like the magazine got to England, it got to Australia, it got um, to Jimmy Swaggart. Yeah. <laughs> um, it got to a lot of places and and made an impact. So it was interesting. Yeah. That's the interesting thing about this um, medium is that with something in popular culture like a television show, a movie, uh, or a really, really big band, people can like band together and be like, oh, we're fans of that. Um, and they have that in common. But there's something about zines and there's something about just the, this culture that it feels like it's more conducive to creating a community. It's, it, and it does travel around the world in a way and link people, I think, that, mm-hmm. that other pieces of, of media don't. I think it's the nature of artists and creative people in general is that they're always looking for the, the subculture, the, the sort of the, you know, and it's very difficult to find these days. It's extremely, I mean, I'm not even sure it really exists. This, this is a, a little pocket of it, mm-hmm. but really, if you look around it, there's not that much of it. I mean, cause everything becomes sort of above ground very quickly these right, days right. and gets digested and spit out and not really even understood. Right. The experience of going to shows, thinking back to shows I went to, there there wasn't as much of a sense of a danger as... When we were doing yes, <laughs> Nomad. And, yeah. what, and there's definitely not now, really. I mean, yeah. except shootings at a hip-hop show. Yeah, we, That's we, a different kind of danger, though. Yeah, no, we didn't have that kind of violence at all. Yeah. You know, we had we had the mosh pit and the uh, that later on, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, the danger was... I, I The first... One of the first punk shows I saw... I mean, I, I always saw music, but one of the first punk shows is... I remember going to The Mask in Hollywood, which was the sort of the mother of all punk clubs and going, you know, parking off Hollywood Boulevard and going underground down an alley and, you know, down into a a dirty basement where there were, you know, a hundred people. And um, the band X was on stage and um, everybody stood shoulder to shoulder and you, you knew you were exactly where you needed to be. You were at the center of the universe. It was exciting. It was fun. And you looked at the people in the room and they were all in black and you were one of them. And, right. and that was your community. And, mm-hmm. and, and everybody traveled from show to show like that. And we, we, you know, one of the differences is, is now it's unaffordable to go to clubs. Mm-hmm. Then it was a few dollars. Nobody cared about this stuff. It was free. It was on, on a landing in downtown L.A. and, you know, with rats running by. And everybody would hear about it and everybody would be there. Or it was in somebody's garage or we had after-hour clubs. We had the zero um, where, you know, everybody would get out of a club and at two in the morning go for another five hours till sun came up and, right. and, you know, you'd sit there with the musicians and you'd sit there with artists and sometimes people would hang up art. I mean, it was like a little, um, you know, a, a friendly environment, but there yeah. were no signs. There were no admissions. Sometimes you'd chip in for, you know, beers or something like that. Um, and everybody knew who the bands, who the players were, and you just follow them from from club to club, and you could go out every night of the week in, in Hollywood, and 
and see something and see the same people traveling with you. Yeah. Um, and if you, you know, yeah, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. And as far as the danger, um, I mean, it looked dangerous. I don't know how dangerous it really was. I mean, nobody hurt anybody because we were all like so happy. It was a family. Right. You know? I, was, I was thinking more, I guess the danger of, um, those who would show up, um, Nazi skin yeah, from Nazi skinheads to cops. Like, you know that that kind of stuff. The the cops. The uh, I was at the Elks Club, which was another big fiasco, um, where a lot of bands played, and it was sort of a big concert where tons of punk bands played, and yeah. everybody in town was there, and it was fun, and it was exciting, and um, it was a lot of people, and the police showed up, the LAPD showed up, and they shut it down, and that was terrifying because we were. I mean, there were thousands of people inside and outside and we were there the elks club has um a very steep stairway um and it's the only way in and out the to get into the auditorium and the police blocked off the entire neighborhood and came in in form with clubs and you were separated from your friends. Everybody was running. People were falling down the stairs. We were being hit. Um, I remember standing on a street corner outside trying to find the people I came with. I, we saw somebody with a bloodied head. And so the LAPD was terrifying, but there was nothing going on inside. There was yeah. <laughs> the inside. We were listening to bands and talking to our friends and, you know, nothing. There was no rowdiness. There was no pushing. There was no liquor there was you know i'm sure there were drugs but it wasn't you know anything that that got in anybody's way right um and later um when the orange county scene sort of started coming alive and we'd start having uh shows in um in warehouses and stuff like that and we were out in the valley and then it got a little bit weirder because um you started getting sort of uh kids from from Orange County, and uh, and you started getting some skinheads and some weird stuff. And the, the you know the weird thing was you couldn't tell visually you couldn't tell skinheads from the punks right. at, at a certain point. I mean, we all look the same, and they would show up for a slightly different reason. I mean, they weren't family; they were you know there to kind of to make a mess. Yeah. You know, and and do some different stuff, and I think that was pretty much the downfall or the end because I think that's the point where a lot of the Hollywood kids just said, you know, no thanks, this isn't interesting, and everybody sort of started going home um, because it, it wasn't about the music, it wasn't about the art, it wasn't about what you had to say. It was really about just causing a, you know, a, a scene of some sort. Yeah. So I think you know, and I, I don't think the you know. I mean, I don't think the L.A. punks were ever about the, the Nazi thing at all. And I don't even think the O.C. punks were really about that. I think it's a very small subgroup that just sort of started showing up. I mean, when, when I go see the Minutemen or, or you know, Black Flag or bands like that, um, you know, you, you never worried about anything. It was just fun, you know? You can find us on the Internet at ShakyTownRadio.com. You can Twitter us at at ShakyTownRadio. You can like us on Facebook at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash shakytownradio. Send us an email at shakytownradio at gmail.com or call us on the Shakytown Radio hotline at 626-66-SHAKE. That's 667-4253. That's the same number. I'm Amber Tozer, and you're listening to Shakytown Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Having uh, operated the Nook and uh, Yuri having... 
been part of a, a different kind of subculture uh, in the street art scene in Los Angeles. How has it changed with the attempts to commercialize everything? And have you been able to enjoy things on your own terms? And you, you were doing it in conjunction with USC, but... In a way, like, I mean, it was, um, it wasn't so much associated with USC. Like we tried to kind of downplay that a little bit. So it was yeah. a bit more approachable for safe sure. community residents to join. I mean, you know, hearing like you speak about just that kind of like free spirited like energy for people wanting to like get this stuff together. Um, I would say like for my experience, just like experiencing and like seeing um, I guess how shows are organized, it is a little different. There's a lot more like commercialization that goes with it. Uh, I'm still of the tribe that believes like free is just always good. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, with the Nook, it's like we, we tried to make it free. We tried to get funding from other sources where we can just to get food. And it, it should have never, like, I think from the get-go, we were really clear about just like um, it's not about money or it's not about even having to get like hordes of people that kind of thing it focuses on like the art and music and yeah. uh poetry and people will come yeah. that's a very anti-la industry thing as far <laughs> as that doesn't have to be a bunch of people whereas you know the whole thing in with the billboards with the, with what i do for a day job it's all about getting as many eyes as possible on your product and, and calling it a product as opposed to know a project yeah exactly like i uh just yuri and i we totally had this discussion like last year when we first met it's like um for us as graduating students that's something we're gonna have to grapple with yeah like just this double life trying to have trying to be part of the commercial world just earn making a living to do what you want to do and that dichotomy i'm I'm sure we're gonna we're gonna have to face the <laughs> obstacles or trials and tribulations that will arise down the road yeah. <laughs> at some point. What, what, what was your uh, insight on that when this conversation on this topic that you had? <laughs> What's your experience been as as an LA kid as uh, somebody in your scene um, of your generation? You know, the, I guess the intent is there. I think to just share art with people who appreciate it, but then there's also the sort of more capitalist aspect especially with the rising fame of people like Banksy and Perry you know um now it's it's like a goal for some kids you know they want to make their living off of this so I don't know it's I <laughs> I feel I don't know I'm on the different both sides of the fence like I think it's great that people want to you know um, be artists but at the same time they kind of sometimes you got to question like you know the intent it's just money you know I mean to me that sort of tarnishes the art I guess but at the same time if it's cool then like it's cool but I don't know I I kind of flip-flop on a daily basis how I feel about that do you feel that uh, a sense of community I think there's definitely a community you know um especially like I mean there's a huge camaraderie between the artists who do it and just the people who don't do it but who appreciate it you know for example there's an LA-based um, artist who goes by Shark Tooth with an F. 
Um, and my sister saw him at the store she was working at. You know, she, well, she didn't know it was him, but he had a tote bag with his shark on it. And she was like, oh, I love your bag. I see those everywhere. You know, my sister and I always talk about how, what a great composition it is, how cool it is. And he was like, oh, thanks. Like, I'm the guy who makes them. And, you know, it was really cool. And then, like, I just found out via the internet, actually, that he's, um, well, I saw a photo of a piece of his that was, I guess, sort of a diptych with Cat Cult, who's going to be at Shelf Life. And um, I think those guys also know another artist that I really like, Phil Lumbag. And I don't know, there's, and it's cool because everyone supports each other. Um, there's definitely a community there. It's, it is sort of isolated, you know, people go out and do it on their own, but they're, they do it all together too. You, you find your tribe, you know, it's like <laughs> you, you, um, you have your interests, you know, if your interests are art and music and then you make an effort to go out and find that and you dig deeper and you go to the ever disappearing bookstores or record stores and you know you go find this stuff and if you're really interested you connect to these people and you have a common experience um it's not really the the love of the gra graphics i think it's a love of people who who express themselves or or do stuff from the from the heart or not mm -hmm. geared by money, you know, and you yeah. respect that in other people when you find those people. So, I mean, I think that's how community or subculture or any of this grows. I mean, the, the folks that are making street art are, um, you know, I mean, I, I, they find each other, you know, they find each other. They, they see a beauty in it and they, you know, they know who does it well or who, who's trained or who's not trained or, you know, where they hang out and it, and a family forms, you know, and, th and that is a subculture, you yeah. know. So, um, I mean, I think those kinds of pockets always exist. I think that what's, what's sad is, is the commercialization and, you know, of all of that stuff and, and that it used to be a little bit more, you know, I'm going to sound like an old fart here, but it's like before internet and all of that stuff, when you really had to dig deep to find these people and you had to actually go there to see something happen or while it was happening, I think you got a little bit more out of it than when you can just Google something and think you understand it in five <laughs> minutes. I mean, you, you know it, you see it, but you sure. don't, you don't know it in the yeah. same way. You haven't experienced it. And so I think that's why sub, it's the subculture thing is hard is because stuff is absorbed differently now. Yeah. And that's just the way it is, you know, but you know, the good news is, is people are still making art, people are still writing, people are still doing crazy things, and they always will. I mean, if you go back to, you know, when Mary Shelley wrote Frankenstein, I mean, they sat around, you know, in the middle of the night and thought up stories, and, and you know, it was not unlike putting together a punk magazine or not unlike, you know, doing a, a, a zine now. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's the same idea. It's what people do. You find common people, you make up ideas, you let your imagination go crazy, and you make stuff, you know? And maybe, you know, in the future it won't be a book. You know, maybe it'll be, you know, something for, you know, online or whatever. But the, the core of it or the, the gist of it will be the same. Yeah. You know, that's not going away. Right, absolutely, absolutely. Um I, I know. The monks copied books by hand when the when they were burning <laughs> books. They sat there and 
did it by hand so that the words would live on. So it's gonna make you want to cry a little we're bit. Gonna... <laughs> That's a little. It's really poignant uh, to think about that. But it's true. You know, it's yeah. it's so. You know, the people that care will all do yeah. it. You know, when when the bookstore when Amoeba disappears, you know, we'll find a different way to meet and and you know share music. Yeah, because music's not going away. I hope not. You know. <laughs> Yeah. Music's like one of the few, like music's my only religion at this point. Yeah. I think. I think it is for everybody. I think for artists too. I think that, and, and you know, I, I, I think for street artists, I think, you know, that music is, inspires the visuals, you know, it's part of the culture, you know, it's, I think everybody associates, I don't know, maybe I'm presuming, but I think everybody remembers songs or a type of music that marks a different turning points in their life i mean i think that's how we remember yeah. certain things you may not remember you know things about your own family or other things but you'll remember what song was playing when somebody oh. when you know you first got kissed or when you first stayed out all night or when you you know first you know crashed into a wall or whatever it was you know you'll remember what what was on you know, if you put on if you put on Black Flag, damaged, mm -hmm. then it invokes uh, the crappy relationship I was in during the summer between my junior and senior year of high school. I can do that too. Yeah. I can do that with the Doors, and I can do that with a whole lot of other people. You know, with Jimi Hendrix, I can tell you exactly where I was when I first heard it. I was sitting on the floor and. You know, in, in my closet at home talking on the phone and somebody played me Jimi Hendrix over the phone and I was sitting on a bunch of shoes, you know. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I remember exactly what it sounded like, yeah. you know. So, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, music's always going to be here. The word's going to be here, um, you know, and artists are always going to make art and they're going to make a lot of it at Shelf Life, too. Awesome. Shelf Life, too. Let's talk a little bit about the people who are going to be there. Uh, friend of the Shaky Town Radio Hour, Keenan Keller, and another longtime friend of the Shaky Town Radio Hour, Tom Neely, uh, will both be tabling there. We have um, uh, V Vale will be there. As v Vale well. will be there. He uh, just uh, was at LA Zine Fest as well. And he's coming down for this. And he's coming for, uh, we're bringing research uh, publications. Uh, a lot of folks, uh, I just have seen a little bit about him talk and his excitement and his enthusiasm. Vale's the godfather of all of this stuff. I mean, Vale inspired Nomag. I mean, much mm -hmm. more so than even Slash. I mean, he was he was the first person doing this, and yeah. he's one of the most radical voices around to this day. You know, um, and he's an amazing, amazing guy, and what he does um, still to this day is incredible. He still lives in the same address in the same apartment when he was started doing this in the seventies. So he's, he's the real deal. That's very cool. Um, yeah, I see that there's going to be a beatnik bookstore presence there as well. There is. And that's, that's me and my defunct books, bookstore. Um, yeah. I had a briefly, I had a, a store in Silver Lake at the junction and, um, Unfortunately, there's condos coming, apparently, and yeah. lofts. Loft living is coming to Silver Lake on Sunset Boulevard. So we had to vacate the space, and, and the whole block is in the process of being demolished. So yeah. I'm, the Beatnik Bookstore will be selling um, uh, T-shirts with our incredible uh, skull image by, by Bruce that's on all our posters. We'll be selling posters. We'll be selling... Um, Old Nomags and Sub Hollywoods um, and some some other oh and Fibonacci's records and Kern Richards records um, 
all kinds of interesting stuff. So yeah. just kind of a, a, a little mishmash. And let's see, we're looking at this list. We have Secret Headquarters, which is a comic shop in uh, Silver, Silver Lake, Lake as well. We'll um, be there. And we have Skylight Books. We'll have a presence there. Yeah, you'll have Skylight. Stories um, as well. Stories. Stories LA is coming. Um, uh, Wacko will be there. Billy Shire will be there. And he's going to be bringing all the juxtaposed stuff as well. Um, Second Canons Publications, which is a art press, um, Extra, which is an art press, East of Borneo, which is an art press. Mm-hmm. We're going to have tables from um, Cal Arts, from Art Center, their communal tables from Otis. Um, so there's, we're expecting a lot of folks. We're hoping everybody comes out for this. Yeah. Um, there's, I'm trying to remember off the top. Um, you, you have a lot of the old punkers, um, Iris Berry with her new company um what is it punk punk hostage press Press. um the punk rock museum is coming um mocha will be there mocha will be there with a uh, table we have mir one who will be working on on the premises robbie canal um i'm trying to think who else fresh jive is going to be there with their new um magazine and online blog and a bunch of stuff that they're bringing um, Future Studio, which is the home of Chicken Boy in Highland Park oh, in the yeah. East LA Art Walk, um, they're going to be representing. And who else? JT Steiny from um, who's been around as long as me. Um, and if it's raining, we're going to go Woodstock. You're going to see Steiny and I rolling in the mud. <laughs> um, and uh, let's see, uh, we've got people coming from as far as Europe. We've got Silverbridge coming there, the publishers of Raymond Pettibone in Europe and yes. many other artists. Um, and they're making a special trip um, here. And we have a fellow coming from Montreal who will be representing um, Byron Coley. So we're trying to get as, as yeah. many interesting voices and, and not have it all be one point of view. I mean, I, I think there's people working in fine arts, people working in graphics, people working in, you know, street stuff. There's, um, you know, students. Um, we have a little bit of everything. Yeah. So. There's one name I'm interested in. Um, I, I, this is literally all I know about her. Britt Sanders, super secret powwow. I became familiar with... Her uh, just from seeing some art at LA Zine Fest. Um, That's where we found her. Okay, <laughs> so we're not that familiar with her as well. It's um, great. So I know that but, friends of mine are friends with her, and um, that's really yeah. Hard. I mean, some of these folks, uh, you know, were people whose tables I went to at LA Zine Fest, and they interested me for one reason or another. Yeah. Some of these are through my connections. Some of these are people that Yuri and Megan are interested in. Um, yeah. So it's it's kind of a con- conglomeration. I, do, I you know I'll be honest. I I have not personally met everyone or sure, sure. know everyone, but I mean I think that's the beauty of an event like that is that everybody discovers something that you don't come see what you already know. You yeah. know, so it's a conversation. Now Yuri and Megan, we're not gonna play favorites, but is there somebody uh, who we should uh, pay particular interest to when we uh, all come to the camp? Uh, actually, and let's talk really quickly just about the actual location where people should go. It's Saturday, March 24th. It's from 11 mm-hmm. to 5. It's going to be at the... Um, it's presented by Roski School of Fine Arts and Visions and Voices. Mm-hmm. Correct. And um, and you're to come to it's you basically would come to USC, which is across from the Natural History Museum on Exposition Way, and you would enter through I believe it's 
Wat Way Gate One, and you would tell the um, the parking lot attendant you're there for the shelf life event. Um, parking is the only expense that you will have to encounter unless you park on the streets, which can can be okay, but yeah. you would have to walk a, a quarter of a mile or so. But it's um, the cost of parking is $8 on the USC campus, but it is convenient. Um, they will direct you, um, and you will come to the Watt Hall and Harris Hall courtyards. And unless it's pouring rain, you'll have a hell of a good time. And there'll be um, lunch. There'll be DJs. There'll be um, things to purchase, things to look at. Um, there'll be amazing speakers, and yeah. it'll be a good thing. Who, who are y'all excited to see, or who do you think people should check out in particular? Everyone. <laughs> Personally, I'm really excited to hear Gary Panther speak. Yeah. I'm really, mm-hmm. really excited about that. Um, I'm just going to ditch all my responsibilities for like an hour. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> actually, Keenan, uh, who Drippy Bone Books, who was on the podcast a couple weeks ago, he uh, he said he's a huge fan of Gary Panther. He, he, he would love to know how uh, him and how also Chip Kidd uh, got a, was, became a part of this? Well, um, Chip, Chip Kidd became a part of this. Um, I saw him speak of, I don't know, maybe four years ago or something like that. Um, I saw him speak, and I think that he's a huge, huge influence on the way books look. Um, I mean, he's been doing this forever. He's a huge influence of some the way underground Looks, I think that mm-hmm. the people who follow Chip Kidd, you know, I mean, he's a he's a rock god um, to to many people, um, and I think that that's really important. He, he's a huge influence on designers. Um, Gary Panter comes out of uh, far more of a street influence mm-hmm. than than Chip, and he has a whole different audience. And I think so; they complement each other. But he's also influenced. Tons of artists. Obviously, he's um, he's been doing his own zines. He wrote he wrote the Roz Talks Manifesto, which is the the in in my day was the the Bible for the do it yourself culture. He um, he's been publishing and doing comics and graphics and working as an artist and a painter and a teacher. And he's now doing light shows. He plays in a band. I mean, he's. Uh, He's an amazing guy. He's an amazing, interesting guy. And Byron Coley works with Sonic Youth. He is an independent um, supporter. He's a writer. Um, he he is. Uh, he's also he's just a, an amazing voice, an opinionated voice, and and somebody that that comes, I guess, from the written word, which is why I wanted him to yeah. to sort of balance off. Um, the visuals that we're going to see and and the history that we're going to see. And um, he also knows both of our speakers, so I think he's a really good moderator for this event. Um, the workshops, which we'll be doing throughout the day, are Slake Magazine, uh, which is you know the new foremost L.A. publication for literary um, audience. Um, and they... You know, they work with artists and novelists, and their issues are amazing. And they're going to be doing workshops um, 
that everybody can participate in and see how Slate comes together and also see what a narrative is and see uh, how ideas come together. Mm -hmm. And Amir Falah from Beautiful Decay will be doing a workshop and he will be actually constructing a zine on the on the premises that everybody can participate in that will be printed at the end of the day and people can come and get copies of that. We have Root Simple and their bloggers, their publishers, and their uh, huge, uh, I guess, participants and proponents of green living and simplified lifestyle. And I think that they bring a very interesting voice um, and the same kind of voice, kind of applied in a slightly different way. So I think we're expanding, like, who, who we talk to. Yeah. We, we have folks coming that'll... Um, that bake their own bread and do their own packaging and uh, do little booklets to support that. So I think it's a little kind of a, a more contemporary way of seeing how other people sort of play part in, in all this. Yeah. And I'm forget Oh, and modern multiples who uh, are printers um, in, in uh, Lincoln Heights and they print all of the street art artists, they print retina and uh, Yuri would probably know better than I, all of these people, but, but, um, they, they printed our poster. Um, yes, and it's, it's a very beautiful poster that, um, you brought me. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. And that will be available for sale. And we have, uh, Richard Duarte will be representing modern multiples and he's been doing this for 30 years. He's printed everybody from, from currently, Shepherd Ferry Banksy to back down to, you know, old Madonna posters and things and stuff like that, that he's done himself. So he's been doing this for 30 years as well. So these are, these are important voices, all of them. Very cool. And Megan, how is it like, uh, organizing, arranging, cabling and <laughs> scheduling and, and Yuri as you as well? Would you, is oh something boy. that you both have to <laughs> just jump in and dig into? Hurting chickens. Yeah, you kind of have to just hit the ground running. Like, <laughs> if you if you stop, the emails don't. So, <laughs> yeah. so uh, yeah, like I think um, trying to garner interest in and just get the ball rolling, like that. Yeah, that took some time. Like you, you could speak to this as well. Like we just kept on emailing mm -hmm. list after list. Like I, I think we kind of. And we also had, like, suggestions coming back this way. And, like, friends would refer their friends. And so we'd email them and reach out. Um, and then once the ball got rolling, then it just became this sort of, like, self-sustaining, like, machine. <laughs> and then we could kind of, like, hold off on that for a bit. But, yeah, it's been, it's been pretty crazy. It's been pretty – I mean, this is yeah. the only publicity we've done um, right now. And we've – We've really, it's been word of mouth and mm -hmm. we put up a Facebook page yeah, and which has been growing like crazy. And we haven't even seen most of our participants kick, kick in yet, but, right. the, but you know, it, we, we really haven't done that much, but I, th we expect this to be huge. Yeah. Yes. We expect, you know, that friends will tell friends and, mm -hmm. and all that. So, um, yeah, it'll be a party. Very cool. If all goes Very well. Cool. <laughs> if it doesn't pour. Even if it pours, it'll be a party. It'll be a party. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yuri, um, this always fascinates me. Because as somebody who has been a musician and um, somebody who has organized music events and comedy events, and really, this podcast itself, um, 
I try not to talk too much about the podcast on the podcast, but it's just something that kind of, it's like with zines. You, you, when you first open a zine, like, hey guys, sorry this month's issue's late, you know, you kind of talk about the process of having to organize things. And to me, it's just fascinating when any artist, any creative type, any writer, musician, comedian, uh, then has to, it's like wrangling cats. It's like, <laughs> and, and as you guys saw earlier, I actually had to wrangle cats yeah. for the podcast, yeah. literally. What was that experience like, or what has it been like putting aside, uh, doing, like, just the difference, you know, there's the art you do, and then there's, like, trying to organize all this stuff, and it's, it's, like, it's, work, it works a different muscle. It's... Or does it? <laughs> um, it, yeah, it's, it's been interesting. I don't know, I'm a very shy person, so, like, being in constant contact with everyone, I mean, even though it's via email, like... I always get really nervous when I have to <laughs> respond to people so that, I mean, it's it's been good, you know, I'm getting out of my shell, but yeah, like Eva was saying, it's been really crazy too, like, constant texts and calls, like, you know, you know this person, did you email this person, did they get a response, did you respond to them, did I respond to them, <laughs> constantly, you know, we had all these spreadsheets going on, like, did we contact them, yes, no, what table do they want, you know, it's it's been crazy, but it's it's been really excited, um, you know, as much time and effort as this has taken, it's been nothing but fun for me, like, um, personally, and I'm sure for you too, Megan. Um, and it's just really exciting to be talking to all these people who are really excited to participate um, and to show their work. You know, I'm really psyched to meet everyone and to spend two weeks worth of my paycheck on, <laughs> on, on all their art. But, yeah, it's been really fun. Yeah, Giri, Giri's gone to stores to give them posters. Mm -hmm. She's... Um, She's been incredible, and Megan is is amazing. I mean, the 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 just both of both of them have been. I, I couldn't have done this without them. I mean, I, it's the organization that it takes to put on an event like this um, is insane. I yeah. mean, it's there's there's um, you know seventy participants with people still you know sending. I, I'm getting emails every five minutes for people yeah. that still want to. Join in, um, you know, renting the furniture, getting fire permits, um, clearing this with the school. Even though this is this is organized through a grant, it's not all done for you. Yeah. So you know, just making sure the auditorium is available for use, making sure that there's places for people to eat or whatever, you know, or park their cars. Um, all requires a lot of work and then there's a sort of a second layer of questions people have like you know who wants to sit next to who right. or <laughs> or you know who i mean there's there's table arrangements it's like we're putting on a bad wedding sort of i mean it's it's, it's a little bit like that on a grand scale yeah and both yuri and megan have been amazing because it's just to keep track of all of this um has been crazy has been really really crazy and yeah. i feel like we're sort of on top of it but you know it's i i think the fact that it's a little unexpected is also part of the fun of it yeah you yeah. know and and both of them have have been really vetting some of these folks that i don't know i mean it's mm -hmm. it's they've looked them up and invited people and made suggestions and so it's you're, you're getting not only my point of view on this you know and and my friends but you're getting um, you know, who Yuri and Megan are interested in. Yeah. 
And I think that's cool. And they, they've also been amazing in, in, I mean, part of the success of an event like this for USC is how many USC students go. And I'm, I'm very good at, at sort of bringing in the outside community mm-hmm. and the, the students that I have something to do with. But these two have been kind of mobilizing the, the rest of the campus. And um, that's amazing. That's yeah. really what's necessary. So Very cool. Um, now, you and Bruce had organized the first Shelf life? I've organized it, Bruce. uh, It it was really kind of like, well, it's it's my grant. It's it's my 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 thing. But it's I used his graphics, and he was a guest, so it is it is awfully incestuous. And I probably wouldn't be doing this, you know, if he had not suggested that I do it. Uh, Now, uh, Bruce passed away in September. Yes, he did. Um, Does this? How does it feel like when thinking back about? First Shelf Life and where you two started and this this amazing journey from no mag in your living room Mm -hmm. to now you're a professor at USC, you're organizing a whole gaggle of folks. I wish wish he he was here to see it because I think on when the first event happened in 2009, it was also a blur. It was a blur for both of us. I mean, just it happened very quickly. We didn't realize I mean, we thought we were doing a pretty good event, but I think we didn't con- con- understand the scale of it. Mm-hmm. And then the last few years, Bruce has been quite sick. He he had leukemia, and there was a lot of you know hospital stuff and a lot of other things that sort of took hold. And so I think he never really you know he never understood the influence of um, uh, that the sub Hollywood book has that the, the nomad, he's never really heard that much about it in the last few years. I mean, he, I don't think he realized how many people it did reach and how many people came to the first event. So I'm really sorry that, that he's not here to witness this because um, I think that it would kind of amaze him. In, in a way, because I, I think, you know, he's he's always sort of wa- worked in his own world mm-hmm. in, in a way. So, you know, he was just not really he was never doing this so that he could get a response. He was doing this because this is what he did. Yeah. You know, so I think he would be really pleased um, because I think this event will be, you know, there is a huge audience for this. And, yeah. and I think and I think there are many people that really like those things that, that would come out and say it. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think it'd be, it's, it's sad. What yeah. would, um, what would Eva of the era sitting on the couch in the living room organizing Nomag think looking now? No fucking way. <laughs> <laughs> no fucking way in the world. I would have never, never thought that this would be, you know, I, I would have never seen myself in this role, mm-hmm. um, but I love it. You know, I think this is really important. This is something I've always believed in. Um, so, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not out of character in any way uh, at all. Yeah. But what's, what is out of character is that I, I, it's, you know, I have huge support at USC. Um, I mean, the fact that they approved this grant um, and then they approved it for a second time, they know what this is. We now have the LA Times Book Festival, and this is really to bring in, some of the the other folks, the folks that can't afford a booth or be part of that, that that want to support that. Um, But these are different voices. This is a different audience. And I think the the fact that USC has supported that, um, the Visions and Voices Committee in particular, um, 
I think is amazing. It's wonderful. I think it's great. And I just hope that they do it again. You know? Very cool. Now you uh, mentioned sub Hollywood, and this is going to help lead me into another part of the conversation that I'm interested in covering. Um, You brought me some really fun stuff to look at here. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to have pictures up as always on shakytownradio.com. You can get the links to all these events and to our guests and their projects, and we'll make sure to send you their way. Um, I'm holding in my hand Captive Chains, which is uh, Raymond Pettibone's first comic book, uh, November 1978. Um, like I referred to earlier, Black Flag is just, you know, my, my, uh, my dog is named after a Henry Rollins uh, <laughs> project called Henrietta Collins. Yeah. Um, so I, I know this... This is like uh, holding the uh, Holy Grail or something. Yeah. Tell me about this. Well, um, that's, you know, I, I've known Raymond for, well, since way back when. Um, so I remember Raymond, um, you know, used to come over and he would always be drawing and he was making flyers for his brother's band. And um, he's a pretty amazing guy. I think he's one of the most prolific interesting exciting artists that there is um i'm a huge raymond fan to this day um and this comic book has become highly collectible um it's really really funny i had um i I think it's arcana books in in santa monica call me and um uh i delivered one of these to them um for a very large amount of money for a collector i mean a a huge amount of money so so they're very very collectible um and they're amazing i mean raymond is just a great artist and he he used to work uh with us on some of the early issues of nomad that i brought and he is uh featured in the sub hollywood he did some both him and gary panter did um did the graphics bruce and i laid it out um so I have a lot of history with all these folks that have been doing it for forever. Yeah. And um, they're really cool people. So so there. <laughs> <laughs> and then Sub Hollywood, which um, is uh, Bruce's novel. Mm-hmm. And it's... It's written under a pen name uh, yeah. uh, of Bruce Kane. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Sub Hollywood is, is written about the experience of putting out... Um, no magazine and right. and and what it was like way back when to go see bands and some of the things we've talked about today and and some about, a little bit about that sub subculture mm-hmm. of people that do come to LA to to become artists to become whatever and what happens to them so it's it's um, it's an interesting book it's it is a novel it is not a um, it, it's not uh, true. It is based on. It's autobiographical, though. It is autobiographical, autobiographical, but it is a fiction, mm-hmm. um, and it is um, based on many people we know. And um, you know, the names have been changed to protect the guilty <laughs> and the innocent. And some characters have been combined, and yeah. things have been changed. And um, it's a pretty amazing, great, uh, heart wrenching. Funny, 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 funny book yeah. um, that's been very, very well reviewed. And, you know, again, I'm really sorry um, and, and, and poorly distributed by me because it's a whole nother job, <laughs> but it is available. And if anybody wants to uh, email me or call me, um, I'll make the books happen. Very cool. 
And it represents, even the name, uh, represents two conversations that I've had that come to mind. The first was um, I was talking with one of the LA Zine Fest organizers, and we were talking about how living in Hollywood, Los Angeles, living in this uh, time of billboards and step and repeats and paparazzi on every corner, that there's kind of this hidden culture that people outside of LA and even a lot of people inside LA might not know about. And then I was having a conversation with um, Robert Pryor, who's a, a playwright, and we uh, were in a movie together uh, a couple of years ago at this point. Um, and I remember we were having a conversation where he said, you know, New York is like this series of open doors where people are like, hey, hey, come over here, come on in, come check this out. But that Los Angeles was a series of closed doors that you have to negotiate through to get to things. And that it's more of a, sometimes seems like a secret club of things. I, I want to know uh, what you think of that. Yes. <laughs> you yeah, all agree? Yes, well put. I mean, I think it's totally true. It's I think L.A. is all about who you know or who you don't know and about, you know, where you where you've been seen or where you should be seen, right. you know, um, right. I, I think it's very much that kind of city. I mean, I think it's just the, the topography, mm-hmm. you know, of, of the place. Um, it requires an effort to go out here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not easy. You have to get in your car, you have to pay for parking, you have to, you know, <laughs> you have to figure out how long it's going to get there. You, it, it's not a drive by or drop in, kind of place yeah. so and if you want to be part of something here you have to work at it yeah you know you have to make that your your mission because it doesn't come to you if if you stay home here you you can really pretty much only watch tv right you know people don't even compared to other cities people don't even drop by and have dinner with you or that's that's a more formal thing so yeah. <laughs> uh, i mean everything requires work and planning also everybody here works Two, three jobs, everybody I know. And and everybody's time is not, you know, this isn't a a nine to five or go out on a Saturday night kind of atmosphere. Anything can happen at any time here. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's, I think that's very different than other cities. So Now, Megan, as somebody who's organized this event, who, um, who organized the Nook, um, and we were referring earlier to the goal is not necessarily to get as many eyes on something, mm-hmm. um, but maybe, you know, speaking to the tribe, uh, is that how it should be? Is that how it should continue? Or are, do you feel like there's efforts now that you're, that you yourself are making to call more attention and try to draw people away from staying home and just watching television and getting more interested in investing their money and time into these kind of projects? I guess I would say I I I can like agree with both like both sentiments like um it's kind of funny it's like you want people to come to this stuff and then then there's a pushback like oh you want too many people to know about it <laughs> <laughs> and so then there's definitely like that kind of like strange tension there but it I, that would even represent LA in general right it's mm-hmm. like it's this yeah, hot spot this tourist spot and when you get here you go to Disneyland and then you think you've got it all <laughs> 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 and so I think it's like for me like um you know I wouldn't like I I guess I wouldn't generalize to say that this is the attitude of like even a whole group of people I think for myself it's always been a matter of intention mm-hmm. um 
And if you get a lot of people together for the right reasons, simply because just it gives you like pure joy just to get together like this and have conversations and discover what's new, um, then that is perfectly fine. Like the more the merrier, like let people participate in it. Um, and then maybe it's, if it's for like a completely monetary reason, like I know that's, you know, a couple of years when like rent is coming to bite me in the ass, I'll be, maybe I'll be speaking a little differently, right? right? <laughs> but, um, you know, for now, like at least when you're young and, and you have the opportunity to just be prolific and whatever you do and just create and, you know, take advantage of it. Like I hear that all the time and I fully intend to do so. Yeah. And I don't know, I think this event is going to be a good opportunity for that. Now, Yuri, what do you think as far as the difference between, uh, this is another conversation that I've been witness to lately, is there are those who see creative projects as a craft, and it's like, well, hey, amateurs, leave it to us. And then there's people like, no, just let everybody put everything out there, and we'll figure it out what's good, what's bad, what we like, what we don't like. Um, Is there, I'm just interested in your thoughts on the role of a curator and as somebody who's being a curator and vetting these people um how do you strike that balance between free expression but also you know let's just not put any crap up that that somebody farted out you know oh my god this is a hard question i feel like so many people can be offended um, <laughs> well i don't really see myself you know as an organizer of shelf life i really don't see myself as a curator because i mean all these people they you know for one thing most of them are older than me they've been doing this a lot longer than i have they i think they're all like better than me but i mean we're all also just really different so um i i mean i don't really <laughs> some, well, but you are somebody who's out there doing your own art. Right. And so you have to have uh, an impression of, like you said, there's people who do it and know it and are good at it. And then there's people who seem to be aspiring to it in not necessarily the same way that you did. Like, it's it's almost like they, like I said, they could have heard about it on ABC Family. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, oh, yeah, I can do that. I'm like, well, not necessarily. You can try. Well, I don't want to say we've been judging people who want to participate. Sure. I mean, for the most part, people who wanted to participate were welcome to. I mean, mm-hmm. we're just saying no now because we have no more space. But right. Um, I don't. I don't really. I mean, well, what do you guys think? I mean, we. I, I feel like we. I, have, I think this is about being I mean, a, a, in, inclusive. inclusive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's not about excluding people. I think I think everybody has something to say, you know, whether they want to say it or not yeah, is a yeah. whole other thing. But I, I, I do believe people have something to say. I'm not interested in, in everything, and I don't expect anybody else to be interested in, in everything. But, you know, the goal of this event is just to, you know, put some different voices out there. It's not it's not to make everybody come together and, you know, sing Kumbaya. And it's not, (laughs) it's not for people to piss other people off. It's just like, let's look at some stuff and, you know, make our own decisions. I mean, it's about, it's about free speech. It's about people doing what, what they want to do. And, and all of us, you know, being a little bit disruptive, Mm -hmm. hopefully, you know, and, and, and showing, showing um, each other that we're not alone. 
Yeah. In in want you know in in being part of the society you know yeah. so, I mean I, I I don't think we we haven't like left people out we we have gone out after certain people sure. because we wanted them to be part of this event, but we hope everybody comes you know, um, you know, I think some art is better than other art but that's not what this is about right that's my point of view and yeah. you know if Yuri finds somebody really wonderful or if Megan finds somebody really wonderful they should be there because I, I trust them yeah you know so and, what about, and Megan I, I came from also a, a scene where you know I hosted an open mic um, my, my partner on the show Gene George has mm-hmm. been part of the open mic comedy scene and like so just that idea of yeah if you have something to say go for it and what, what is your thoughts on that and as somebody who uh, also has been vetting and organizing and yeah I agree I think it's like uh we trust in uh, the people who are coming and in their judgments of who they should come as well um like for this event is definitely you're bringing this huge range of people several different demographics you have students who are maybe encountering this material for the first time um and then it's just this merger of like um and i felt like different backgrounds i felt like you did that with the nook was trying to give a a venue and a voice to people who might not have had it yes and i definitely think that this follows um in the spirit of that as well um and yeah, hopefully some interesting conversation emerges and like different viewpoints are brought up as well. It's just to spark a dialogue. Yeah. Okay, I think at the Yeah, and if we piss some people off, that's <laughs> that's a good thing too, you know. It's at least yeah. at least, you know, we know where they stand and where we stand, you know. So yeah. it's that's okay. You know, it doesn't have to be a love fest. Speaking of love, mm-hmm. what uh we'll just kind of take this around the table. What 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 have you loved lately? What have you been enjoying? Whether you're reading it or listening to it, what kind of uh, oh kind of some maybe suggestions for our, our crowd here? It doesn't necessarily have to be local. I mean, we always like to promote local stuff here, but just what's what's caught your attention lately that people more people need to go check out? Huh. I would well for me, like I I've been trying to frequent used bookstores. More often, I mean, like, this is a whole nother can of worms because the whole, like, print is dead and, like, people are raising like, pitchforks. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> no, it's not. It's very much alive. And regardless of whether that is the, you know, it's another debate. Like, I think people will always have the urge to document, to create, and to try to um, mark their point in their lives at some point, And we can all relate to that. And so, yeah, I would definitely say support your local bookstore um, for, I, I don't know if it's, they're going to be like extinct or like museums down the line, you know, but uh, while we can enjoy them, let's definitely support them as much as we can. Very cool. Yuri, what about you? What's been uh, catching your attention lately? Um... Yeah, I mean, this is really similar to Megan's, but just local stores. Mm-hmm. I'm, I've gotten really interested in that. You know, I recently went to San Francisco a few weeks ago, and I tried. I made it a point to not go to chain restaurants or anything, just mm-hmm. discovering all those. And then when I came back to L.A., you know, I spent one day driving around to, like, stories and skyline, all these stores to drop off 
posters and I, in between I would visit, you know, other little um, cool LA only shops and that was just really cool. I don't know, I guess, well, I've always been a proponent for getting to know your city, but know your city. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, and Eva, like you and I both have this experience, I'm sure. Um, the people, friends of ours, and bands that we went and saw uh, that we would be able to enjoy in a club when they started out, some of them are legends. In, in my case, uh, I have friends who are just, their bands are doing really great, they're getting a lot more attention, and kind of like, okay, well. I can't enjoy that by myself anymore. Mm -hmm. So it's more of a challenge to seek out new things and, and new bands. But since you, you know, gave LA and gave the punk scene no mag, I want to know how are you seeking stuff out now? What it, what's caught your attention, especially musically, but of course, you know, anything else. But I'm really interested here. I think what you're listening well, to. that's a really tough question for me right now because I'm coming out of you know from Bruce's passing and I've been really not I would say horribly social at all for the last year or so in terms of seeing music I've seen very very little um, it's just my schedule hasn't allowed for that um, I I don't know that that's it's just a very tough question for this time because I've actually been very um, private I yeah. guess and yeah. and mostly I I've been enjoying you know, some, some of my, my friends, you know, and, 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 you know, the thing I find exciting is people making things or doing things. And that's the people that I've wanted around me in the last year. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to open up my house a little bit and, and just have people come in and out. And, and I have a lot of students from several schools coming by and I really enjoyed that. And just seeing the work that people are making and talking about the work and where the work can go or how it can look. And um, I think that that's been kind of the core of where I'm at right now. Um, and yes, I read and yes, I listen to music and, and all that. I don't know. I like um, uh, Bolano. I'm reading Savage Detective currently. Um, and I think that's an amazing book. Um, but yeah, it's it's that's a tough question for me, and it's just it's it's just where where my head is at yeah. right now. Yeah. I guess I go see lots of art shows, lots of <laughs> museum shows, lots yeah. of art shows, and I recommend everybody do the same. Very cool, very cool. Well, as we head into the the end of the show here, um, I want to let everybody know if you go again to shakeitownradio.com, we can link you to all of this stuff. Um, if you're on Facebook, just put in Shelf Life 2 in the little search engine there, and you'll get not only an event page, but a Shelf Life 2 community page that you can click as liked, and that way you can keep getting all your updates. Um, and uh, where else online, since this is a online radio show podcast, what where else online can people find um, each of you and what your projects and interests are at? Are any of you on Twitter? Are any of you on? Uh... <laughs> We're underground. We're yeah. I'm not contemporary. No, you you can find me on Facebook as well, or through the Shelf Life event page. I think that's a great way to contact me. Um, you can also still contact the Beatnik Bookstore. Um, it exists on online. Um, we do not have a current running web page for anything because we've been busy doing all kinds of other stuff yeah, so yeah. we're not we're not uh 
together, shall yeah. we say, <laughs> um, as far as all that is. But if, if, you know, if you need me, you can find me out there. Just Google my name and, you know, you can find me on Facebook or, or through my email, which is also on Facebook. I'm on Facebook too. Um, my work is on my website, com. I mean, I have a pretty rare name, so if you just Google me, everything <laughs> will show. <laughs> yeah, I have to say, I'm a pretty private person yeah. on the interwebs. Um, yeah, like, again, there's also Facebook. Uh, I try to shroud myself, so you're going to have tough time yeah. trying to find <laughs> me. Um, and then. Well, since I'm going to be graduating soon, I got to get that portfolio site up at some point. So <laughs> just just hold out for that; it's coming. It's coming. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I mean, are I, you are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. Yeah, I am. Uh, so you have more to say than we do. It's like it's <laughs> in little 140 yeah. characters or yeah. less verse. Yeah, um, you know, but yeah, it, it's, it's a time-consuming thing. Isn't it? It is. I mean, uh, you know, Gene and I on the show here have talked a lot about Twitter and, and how it's helped. Uh, I mean, the com- the comedy community specifically, really, it, it's been good for it because they can mm-hmm. get jokes out there. They can try out material and people get to know each other mm-hmm. that way. Um, yeah, but I, I like it. I, I've embraced the social media. I mean, you have to, like, doing this podcast, this is, you know, a, a whole, this is like early television. Like, nobody's mm-hmm. exactly sure where this is going yet. I think it's it's exactly the right direction for things to go in. I think yeah. that that it's it's important to be heard. It's important to have your friends be heard. Um, it's cool. Yeah, it, and it's still not been totally commodified yet. I mean, there's definitely people yeah. organizing. I mean, there's podcast networks now, like Earwolf. Um, there, there's big podcasts that have managed to monetize, mm-hmm. but it's still like it's it's the people whose voices you hear organizing it's still very DIY even Kevin Pollack who's been on our show you know made his living as a an actor um in some great movies and he he runs his own podcast he runs his own show out of you know his area so and his neighborhood so. great ideas yeah yeah so we, I you all are definitely invited back anytime you have something coming up and want to get your voice out there thank you we have the microphones here yeah. Uh, so everybody go check out Shelf Life 2 uh, this weekend, uh, March 24th, not when we're taping, because as I said, this is a rainy St. Patrick's Day, so we're all going to go try to stay dry now. Um, but until next time, I'm Brody Foster Hubbard. And I'm Eva Vucek. <laughs> I warned you guys about this part. <laughs> I'm Yuri Okita. And Megan Shin. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>